And we're back. Welcome back, you guys, to another episode of Buckley on Air. It's your boy, Buckley on Air, a.k.a. Derek Buckley Jr. Don't forget the junior. And I am back here again with my brother, my friend, Alex. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Very thankful. Speaking of being thankful and Thanksgiving, the NBA draft happened about a week or so ago. And we got a lot of young men who are very thankful have to be a have been drafted to the NBA. Tell me about your thoughts on the NBA draft. I think uh, it, it was a little bit of a, a for lack of a better word, a crapshoot after the third pick. I know we talked about that a lot in our last podcast. I think right after the Hornets drafted LaMelo Ball, I was very surprised on where players I thought would go high when, and then a lot of people fell that I didn't think deserved to have fallen. But I think most of these young men are deserving and actually most of them fell into good situations for them to be honest with you i'm actually 100 agreeing with you um i know for everybody that has listened to the previous episode knows that i was 100 wrong about the draft after pick number two i will say that i'm actually a little more excited about how things played out and i'm interested to see how these kids pan out going forward in their careers because some of these situations fit kind of well and some of them it was just best player available but like like you said after number three which I kind of wasn't too too surprised with the Lamelo pick I thought he would he could go there thought he might drop lower but everything after that completely threw me off everything was just completely wrong for me yeah it was, it's a lot of the NBA GMs they like to zig when everyone zags and they're not convention. I mean, they got the they got the jobs for a reason. And whether whether we roast them for these picks three years from now, that remains to be seen. But I do think, for the most part, they did draft by by best player available. And uh, I hope it pays. I hope for these young men, they go into situations where they're utilized correctly. But, agreed. Agreed. So all right. So here's where I want to start it off because, like we said, we we were taken aback, and I just want to speak on the first player that surprised us in Patrick Williams. Like I'm happy because Florida state, we, we got a kid to go in top five, but had no clue he would even get drafted this high. I was, I was dumb. I was surprised. I was sitting on my couch just thinking they were going to take uh, uh, Dendi, uh, uh, the guys that the wizards drafted. I just thought he would be a good small forward fit for them, but, I'm ecstatic for my dude Patrick Williams as an as a for, former FSU alumni. Uh, I I didn't even hear anything that they were even looking at him, or did I even think they needed another big man? James Wiseman's probably going to be the best big in this uh, this draft, but Patrick Williams has a good chance to make up that ground in the NBA. I really like his game going forward. Well, the one thing about him, like you say, he's big. Like he's six eight. He's listed to play the small forward position. I'm more so interested on the direction that the Bulls are moving in because they already have Otto Porter. Now he'll be a free agent soon. Have Zach Levine there. They have Laurie Markkinen and they have the big Wendell Carter Jr. And my thought is you, you have a lot of players in these forward positions. And I think that Patrick Williams can be a great fit just more so concerned about his development because he didn't really do a whole lot of FSU and he's raw talent. And in order for him to be the best version of himself, he has to develop very well 
or in somebody's system. And it's going to be hard for him to get playing time with all those names you mentioned ahead of him. I am I am encouraged that the Bulls do have a great coach in Billy uh, Billy Donovan. I don't get why Oklahoma City let him go at all, especially with what he did with last year's roster. But that's neither here nor there. I think one of those guys are either going to have – I do think Otto Porter's time in Chicago is coming to an end, even though that contract of his is hard to trade. They're, they're probably going to let him walk, and hopefully after a year of – most likely coming off the bench, hopefully being a six man so he can get some playing time. I think uh, Patrick Williams could play a small forward game. I don't know. I don't remember him being much of a wing stretch, uh, stretching the, the def, uh stretching the offense by his shooting. Mm-hmm. So I always thought he was more of a power forward. So I hope maybe they can run some experimental offenses with Laurie at the five and Patrick Williams at the four. Gotcha. So I, I think you're wrong. In your your take on Billy Donovan, I think he's a terrible coach for the NBA, but we're not going to dive too much into that. <laughs> Speaking of this draft and how up and down this team zigs, so that team zagged, who do you think won the draft and who do you think lost the draft? I, I can tell you who lost the draft was the Detroit Pistons. Ooh. I mean, not because they drafted Killian Hayes, because but what what they did, they drafted a guard, and then what they did in their offseason didn't really match, mesh with what they did. I just I just did not like their offseason at all, and that started with their draft pick. I did, I I thought Tyrese Halliburton was a, is a better player than Killian Hayes. Maybe I just haven't seen enough tape of Killian. And considering what they had, to, the unfortunate thing that happened with Clay right afterwards, I think it was the Warriors with getting James Wiseman and falling. I mean, being bad at what's it called having a lucky year being bad enough to get the number two pick and then what's it called having James Wiseman fall to them I think with Clay being out James Wiseman's role steps up huge as it called I, I think he he should be the front runner for rookie of the year yeah so definitely don't agree with you on for the most part on either pick it's fair <laughs> so with the Pistons I do believe in Killian Hayes more than Tyrese Halliburton, personally speaking. I think that him going to Sacramento was good for Sacramento because it gives them another guard that can get the ball out of the hands of De'Aaron Fox. But personally speaking, I think that the winner of this draft is the Timberwolves. I believe that they got great value in the pick that they had at number one as well as when they traded down to 28 when they got Jaden McDaniels, I believe that he's going to be a steal um, in the draft. In terms of a loser, I would have to say that the the Celtics are probably my pick for loser and only because they weren't able to flip the picks that they had. I do believe that their pick, with Aaron Nes- Nesmith at 14 was a good one, but the moves that they are trying to make in terms of winning a Frank, uh, a championship, those lad- those latter two picks, they were able to get Pritchard who we'll see how good he is in the NBA and if he'll, he'll last. But that last pick that they traded Desmond Bain. Yeah. I'm not, I, I'm not sure how that's going to work out for them. 
I think it's a cautionary tale for Oklahoma City fans going forward. I mean, uh, Danny Ainge was the one who started this whole. You you get a uh, what's it called? You get a you stock the armory with draft picks, and then you make a move with these draft picks. But he what's it called? After pretty much robbing the Brooklyn Nets at point blank, I mean, he got two great players going forward in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. He really hasn't flipped. I mean, he's drafted a lot of busts. Uh, R.J. Hunter, I remember being one. Uh, I think, and then he flipped uh, that pick with uh, with Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie, who only was there for a year and a half. And uh, that player became Colin Sexton, who is becoming one of my favorite players, who's not on my team. So I, I, I'm starting to think the jury might be out on Danny Ainge after years of people thinking he's one of the the uh, you know greatest GMs in the league. I, the people are probably starting to think he's washed up. Maybe he makes one crazy move to get back into contention, like how he like 13 years ago when he traded for Kevin Kevin Garnett. But yeah, if Oklahoma City fans, all you got left is Sam Presti, and it, you better hope he does a better job than Danny Ainge has. So yeah, I I do I, t- I tend to agree with you on the Celtics picks. I'm just I just have enough trust in Brad Stevens to get some development out of uh, those uh, out of uh, Naismith and uh, the later picks. I mean, that's fair. Um, I do believe that Brad Stevens does a very good job with in his particular system in the Celtics organization in terms of developing players. Um, Like I said, I think Aaron Naismith is a good player that they were able to draft and especially after losing Gordon Hayward in free agency. But in terms of just drafting players who they kept, they the, the moves that they made weren't what they wanted, unfortunately for them. Um, another team that I would also mention that I think lost in this draft and the jury's still out is the Suns. They only had one pick um, in the first round, number 10. And not to say that Jalen Smith, the big that they drafted, isn't good, but – I don't know why you drafted another big when you yeah. could have at the time they didn't have a Jay Crowder who they eventually signed later. But after already knowing that you're trading Kelly Oubre away, I thought that they had opportunities to try and draft a Devin Vassell or some of the other small forward positional players at that pick. And they stuck with their guns and went with a big, and I'm not sure how he'll play with DeAndre Ayton, what's his fit, what's his need, what they need him for. To me right now, I just felt like that was another bad pick as well. They have a log jam at power forward and then the big position over there. And especially with Jay Crowder coming in, uh, what's it called? Uh, Dario Saric remaining in town and uh, DeAndre Ayton. I mean, you never know. You could, it's never a bad thing to have enough to have more bigs. How, but, but I was just begging for the Suns to take Devin Vassell at 10. I just thought it would have been the perfect situation for them. They just traded away Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio, like you said. So they're pretty small at, after a guard outside of uh, – I mean, they still have Jerome Carter, right? Yes, uh, they, they were able to re-sign him. Okay. I like him a lot. I mean, it doesn't – I always forget he's younger than me because he looks like he's 40. But he play. He has a good game, and I. But after CP3, who does have injury history, and he's 35, I thought, 
you know, you got to get, you got to shore up that guard rotation. And I thought Devin Vassell would have been a perfect fit for them. So I was, that was the biggest instance in this draft where I thought somebody just took possibly best player available over team need. I mean, Jalen Smith, I do think is going to be good, but he's going to be, he's going to be scrounging for playing time. And uh, with his shortened season coming up and shortened training, low, uh, quick turnaround to start of the season, I don't think he's going to get meaningful minutes until halfway through the season. Maybe a waste of a pick. I agree. Um, Another thing that I wanted to ask you about, because I mentioned a second loser, do you think got the steal of the draft? Steal of the draft. You know, this is the part where I usually like to look all the way back and like into the later rounds and see if he can find another Kyle Kuzma or something. But Mm -hmm. I like to go all the way to the second round on this one. I think the Rockets getting Kenyon Martin Jr. It's after trade after the Kings drafted him and traded him. I know his game is refined and a lot of his a lot of his stock is just because he's Kmart's son. That dude is explosive. I mean, he got he he has like Derek Jones Jr. hops, but with like Jalen Smith physical attributes. I if he can learn how to guard and lock down and like you know guard the paint. And uh, and learn how to adjust to you know a change in NBA game of uh, you know more like the D'Antoni system. Even everybody's a, developing the D'Antoni system. As long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to be, especially with who knows what the what what the Rockets do with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. I think he's going to be a contender to be you know on an M- all all rookie team. And I think that is the steal of the draft. I like your enthusiasm don't agree with the pick but i like the enthusiasm i'm gonna mention two people right here one is shout out shout out to grant riller um he's from my area and i actually played against him in high school he was a freshman i was a a junior we were both on jv he gave me 33 oh boy yeah it was it was bad um but shout out to him. He's in Charlotte right now. And I think that Charlotte was able to get a very, very good young player as well. Another one that I'm going to mention, he's also from my area as well. Paul Reed for the 76ers. But my personal steal of this draft, the guy who I think will be the one guy that everybody slept on and he's going to be taking names and he's going to do something similar to Draymond of being able to remember everybody that got drafted before him. Cassius Stanley, he was in the second round as well, and he went to the Indiana Pacers. This kid has all the talent of an NBA player in the world, and a lot of teams, in my opinion, were very slept on him. He's 6'6", very strong athletic build. He's got a 44-inch vertical he broke Zion's he, he broke Zion's vertical record at Duke and people were sleeping on this kid. Like I don't get it personally speaking. He's 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 got an NBA ready body. He's ready now and I am ready to see him play because I believe that of the guards in this draft and players in general, he might be at the top five, top 10, when this draft and their careers play out. 
I don't know how he fell so far. He almost went undrafted looking at it, but now I know I remember, you know, being a Florida State guy, you gotta watch every other one of your conference foes. And I know there was a lot of crap thrown on Duke this year. And they weren't they didn't really particularly play well as a team, but there's they had three guys get drafted in this draft and those all three of them can play. So I mean I, I want to hope, hope the opportunity arises for Cassius. I know there's a lot of guard. I mean, there's Malcolm Brogdon, TJ Warren, Victor Oladipo ahead of him at guard slash forward position. So I, you know, hopefully in this long weird season, he gets, uh, gets some extended playing time off the bench and, pr- and proves what you have high hopes in him. I, I'm a, uh, I'm a little tempered on it, but I uh-huh. could see I can see why you think that, why right. you think he's going to be a top five player in this draft. I'm, I'm I, I really I truly believe that. Another thing that you you mentioned they had that Duke had three players drafted in this draft, and I also wanted to get your opinion, one as a fan of FSU and college basketball, but also as a fan of the NBA. What do you? How do you feel seeing FSU have two guys go in the lottery, and seeing three guys from Duke get drafted, but none of them in the first round? I, if you asked me, if you told me this five years ago that you know Leonard Hamilton would have multiple in in less than a three year span have three to four guys get drafted in the lottery, and Duke gets nobody in the lottery. I mean, I. I, I would have asked you to give me what you whatever you're smoking, but <laughs> uh, I I really am been very encouraged with what Leonard Hamilton and his staff have been producing. I've been a, I've been a little close with them at, at in my graduate program with a lot of people on the team. They know what they're doing down there, and I the only team at what's it called the only organization for men's team I would say the women's got their stuff together at FSU. I don't mean to throw them under the bus. That's a call. They're the only men's uh, collegiate team at FSU that is acting like a division one team right now. And I'm, I'm very proud of them. And I, I know Leonard Hamilton's a little old, but I hope he, he sticks around for a little longer. Now I remember we were quick to r- want to run him out of town, but uh, well, his recruit, his recruiting is top notch. Oh, most definitely. And I, I, I got to say, that I am very happy to see not only them becoming a better basketball program, but becoming a prominent one at that. When, when we were there and being able to see them go from NIT team to a play um, NCAA tournament team, but then from there going to one of the teams that were in the higher, higher um, seating. And then, when we were leaving or when we were gone, they became like a, a pretty much almost a number one seed. They won, obviously. Yeah. They were COVID. a Duncan Robinson uh, from, you know, ripping our heart out <laughs> from making the final four. They were, but I mean, even still, the fact that we went from the middle of the pack school to being mentioned with the elite ACC schools because I believe we have the best conference in basketball and for us to be finishing top four top five in that I got to commend them for that I 
there's a lot to look forward to. I mean, even I, I like what there's, I'm trying to remember who their assistant coach is, who I'm assuming is going to take the mantle after Leonard Hamilton's done. There's a lot to look forward to, even after Leonard Hamilton's gone. And I think he's laid a great bedrock and I'm glad he's stayed for 20 years. And then I, I kind of want to take back all the, there were, there were times when Leonard Hamilton lost the winnable games. Let's not pretend that didn't happen when we were there with late game situation in, in particular. The, the man knows how to get great talent in the building. That may, you might not get him signed, but he gets them in for a visit. And uh, I think what's, what's great is not only if we're not getting the players, the fact that we're mentioned in their final five schools or their top ten, is a good sign. We're able to keep ourselves in the loop with these top prospects, these number one guys, and they are very interested in coming to our school. And I just think that that's a great thing. Um, We'll see how this upcoming season goes. I think we'll probably have a really good season with them. Um, But back to this NBA, the draft and everything, I want to shift from the draft and more towards what's been going on more recently with the free agency stuff. And now that we've shifted over and we're going to speak about that. I would have to say the biggest loser. And even though the Milwaukee Bucks not getting Malcolm Brog, I mean, not Malcolm Bogdanovich into Milwaukee to play with them. I mean, that, that is a systems failure on the Kings part. And I, you know, in a sign and trade, the first word is sign. You have to get the guy to sign before you trade him. You can't just trade him if he's a restricted free agent. So I don't blame the Bucks particularly on that. But when it looked like they were going to have Drew Holiday, Bogdanovich, and uh, those other pieces, I was just like, okay, Milwaukee, they're 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 positioning themselves to actually beat the Heat this year and keep Giannis going forward. But without getting Bogdanovich, it it looks really bad. I'm not going to lie to you. I I 100% agree. Um, I'm going to shift course in terms of my loser. I'll speak on that a little bit later. I feel like that botched signing, I'm not sure how that happens when, like you said, it's sign and trade. And you say it's the king's part to not get the sign done. And maybe it was. But on the Bucks part, you have to make sure – that you can confirm that this player is willing to come here because if in this situation and like these types of situations happen, he goes, I don't want to go there. And he goes to Atlanta and he gets his money and he would have got his money in Milwaukee too. But the player has gets to have an opportunity to choose where they go in free agency. And you can't just assume because I traded for you, and we're supposed to be a winner that you want to come here. That's not how that works. And I I think it's unfortunate for them that they missed out on Bogdanovich. We'll see if that was detrimental to the team because I think getting Drew Holiday was very important. Getting Bogdanovich would have definitely set them up to be the number one favorite without a doubt with no question. But getting Drew Holiday, I think, helps them a lot more because Bledsoe just has been abysmal in the playoffs. And I, I never thought that Bledsoe was a good – even though he, they got him for a steal after he tweeted he didn't want to be there anymore uh, in Phoenix. 
I just didn't think it was a good fit when you already have Giannis, who is pretty much the dominant, the dominant ball, uh, ball carrier and facilitator on that team. How do you feel that free agency has been impacted? And what are some of your favorite moves that have happened so far? I think it was a pretty predictable offseason in terms of who's been moved. And I mean, granted, it's a weird, usually offseason happens in July and you have, you know, you plan to have, you know, your, your teammates get to know each other in the two months before training camp. And then, but training camp's like less than a week after you join the team. It's, it's been, it's been a very unusual, tra- uh, what's it called? Uh, offseason, especially with teams, uh, positioning themselves to have major cap space for 2021. You need a shooter to spread the floor at the point guard position, a la Mario Chalmers, who can actually who can hit the corner three. But so that's not his game. It's never right. been his game to spread the floor. I mean, they got good value for him, but it, you know you can't putting the round hole through a square peg, putting the square peg through a round hole. That that rarely ever works. And I mean, I'm glad that they were able to flip him and get. Drew Holiday. I really wanted my heat to get Drew Holiday, if I'm being honest with you. I mean, but I, I, I think I it's a good you. fit for them. I, I definitely feel you on wanting to get Drew Holiday. I will say this. You guys still allowed yourself a lot of flexibility to get some other players. Um, but the per, the one team that I felt lost free agency the absolute most is the Hornets. And obviously – when you sign players, it's not necessarily a loss. But when you sign a player like Gordon Hayward, I don't care how good he still is, he's not worth four years, $120 million anymore. Not at all, my my dude. And, bro, I looked it up. Just I just wanted to see the contracts because I knew that um, Rozier got a decent contract. They are paying Gordon Hayward – his 30 million. They are paying the buyout. They didn't even buy him out. They didn't even buy Nicholas Batum out. So if you release him, you still got to pay him. So even if you stretch it, he's old 27, like 0.6 million next year. And on top of that, sign somewhere else. He'll probably get the vet minimum, which let's say is 2.5 million. So he'll get $30 million next year. And then they're paying Rozier 17 and they're paying Cody Zeller $15 million. They and, and are, Kemba wanted to stay. That's the craziest part too. I'm glad for his sake that he got out. All I can say is I don't understand the moves. Why sign these guys to these big contracts? They're not worth it. And market value is not even saying that they're worth the money that they're asking for. None of the guys. Who else was going to give Gordon Hayward a max? The Knicks, maybe? Just because the Knicks just need to get somebody to come to the games. Exactly. I don't see. Mike Lee's not coming to those games anymore. (laughs) I mean, if anybody can go, I doubt it if anybody's going at this point because they're COVID. But realistically, even having Gordon Hayward doesn't move the needle in terms of you having fans in your at your games. So to me, I just don't get why in the entire world that pick was that uh, signing was made. Like it didn't help them at all. 
I didn't even think they. I mean, they are pretty weak at small forward, considering their other small forward was Nicholas Batum. I just because someone just because you can do something doesn't mean you have to do it. Just because you can sign Gordon Hayward to a max contract doesn't mean you should. What's it called? You're trying to be a rebuilding team. You're supposed to keep cap room av- available for maybe next year's offseason. But you just sabotaged all of that just to give $30 million to a guy who's made one all-star game and I think one third-team all-NBA in when he was with the Jazz. I, exactly. I've always loved his game, and I wanted him to come to the Heat for years ago. And an unfortunate, horrible injury – and his first game as a as a Celtic really derailed that. And I think it, you know, he's come back as best as you can from that injury. I thought his career was done, to be honest with you, in the first second I saw that. There's nothing against Gordon Hayward, but Gordon Hayward's an 18 point per game guy. Not he's a he's not a max player player. Right. And even and, for me, with with all of that that happened, I personally I didn't think his career was over after the injury. Um I kind of felt like it was just a break and no structural damage. But the one thing for me that kind of made it like he, he needed time to come back. And because of such a, like a, a horrible injury and then being on a team where you're kind of needed to come back immediately, um, they can use all the help that they need. I think Brad Stevens did a very bad job of managing his minutes. And I understand you're paying him a lot of money. So you have to play him, but don't mess up the chemistry. Let things ride out. Let them go how they've been going. I agree. I was going to say another, another secretly bad team that had a, like a bad off season. It has been the Clippers so far, if I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I understand they traded a lot to get Marcus Morris, so they needed to keep him in, in town especially to appeal to Kawhi because I'm probably Marcus Morris, probably the third best player on that team. I mean, I do love honey pepper Lou, but that's all he he gives you 20 off the bench. That's all he can give you, which is a lot, but he doesn't get your rebounds. Doesn't spread. What's it called? Doesn't get bigs to stretch the floor. Uh, They haven't gotten a point guard. Like they said they were going to get, I don't, they're going to let Reggie Jackson go. Even though I don't think he was that valuable for them. Uh, uh, they only got this year with Paul George and Kawhi left. They need they they can opt out after this year, and if especially if next year they have a great year and then they flame out in the playoffs again, one if not both of them are bye bye. And I losing Montrez Harrell, who I I don't know why he was their sixth man off the bench this year. I I you know you you get your bigs you. Know, Played pretty good during the season. I understand he had a horrible bubble experience, and I think that a lot of that was more with Doc Rivers not having a good rotation, other than Montrez Harrell not fitting in. Mm-hmm. How do you let him? How do you let him go to the the team the, the team that shares the same arena with you? Right. I mean, here's one thing I'll say. Like you said, he had a bad bubble. People don't necessarily factor in. Unfortunately, his grandmother passed away and he had to take some time away from the bubble. But on top of that, like he played in the bubble, but he missed so much. He missed the like restart games. So you don't even get your opportunity to get your feet wet. And then when he came back from the funeral and what um, all of that situation, he has to quarantine. So he can't practice. You can't get a rhythm on the court. So you're stuck and not being able to 
actually play for two weeks. That's a lot of time. I know, especially with how quick that bubble went. And two weeks was pretty much the, all the eight regular season games that were left to be played. And then on I, to add on to that, though, even still, think about how long they hadn't played basketball before the bubble even happened. So you might have gone almost two, three months without playing basketball. And then add on, you come back, you touch a basketball kind of for the first time again, and then you're out for another like two, three weeks that you you don't get back in the rhythm your stamina is not there it's a lot of things that you have to catch up on and i'm sure that's why doc rivers had him probably playing less than 10 minutes a game when it when the heat of the playoffs started i understand all that i just refuse to believe that he's a bum that a lot of people that twitter was throwing on him i still remember him as the stud in louisville playing great with James Harden in uh, Houston before getting traded to LA for Chris Paul. I, I always think this guy secretly could, could have been one of the top 10 players in his draft, in his draft class, which is an actually deep draft class. You can't, you can't offer him the mid-level exception to keep him. It's not like you brought in anybody else. I mean, and I would understand if you use that mid-level exception to get like bring in Derek Rose to be your new point guard. I, I'm I'm starting to feel real bad for I mean not that I should feel bad man has more money than God, than sin, but what's it called? Uh, Steve Ballmer just paid two two point seven billion dollars for a team that can't seem to win with a three one lead. That I terrible. that is terrible for him. I I I'm starting to think Kawhi is more of a flight risk than a Giannis at this point. Well, I don't know about you. I I don't think that. Um, I do believe that he's been fortunate to win two rings. So leaving does nothing for his legacy. He's close to home. And I think that's something that's very important to him. My only thing, and I, I want to say this, I do not agree that they've lost free agency because I believe that they're going to attempt to make some big move coming soon. I think they're being quiet letting things die down, and they're going to make a move. Something important, relatively big, coming soon. I think Lou Will might get traded. Paul George? I don't see Paul George getting traded. I do see potentially Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams being moved for somebody. Who? I'm not sure. I think that'll be yet to be seen, but I do believe that they're not going to stay, stay in Pat and stay where they are what do you think they need do you think they need a point guard who's actually because paul george and Kawhi, they they're both not ball facilitators they they're not ball stoppers either like carmelo when he was with the knicks but they're they're either looking to score or pass for an assist they're not trying to drive and dish and then keep the offense going which i mean that's no disrespect to their game that's their game that's what they're good at doing mm-hmm and for the most part, it worked for the start of the offseason, but then everybody got tape on it and realized Paul, Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams aren't, can't, you know, can't dribble, the, can't dribble the air out of the ball. Okay. So, so I'm, you, I'm, go ahead. I'm wondering if they get a point guard or, a, or an all star big, uh, if, uh, you know, all star caliber big man like uh, maybe bring Blake Griffin back. I don't know. In regards to the free agency, because we spoke about a lot about the the losses and who 
we felt like didn't do a good job. Who do you think did the best job? Do you know who I think actually did the best job considering everything that's happened to them? I mean, the obvious answer should be Atlanta, considering they're going to go from a team that was the bottom dweller, and I really like what they put together. They made great use of their cap space and their draft picks over there. I really like what Atlanta's cooking over there, and I mean, I'm kind of worried about them going forward. They're going to be good for a long time when, when that team starts clicking. I think the Golden State Warriors had the best offseason considering what 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 has happened to them. Huh. They the moment Clay went down, you wanted to say that's it, they're done. It's the end of their dynasty. And it might be the end of the Splash Brother dynasty, which is a sh- shame because Clay Thompson's one of my favorite players ever. And may, maybe in 2 years he's back. Who knows. But getting Kelly Oubre quickly to replace not even giving up much to get him. I you still have Andrew Wiggins there at the three. I'm still a believer in Andrew Wiggins. I mean, he was drafted first for a reason, and he had a couple good years to start his career in Minnesota. And I, I think Steve Kerr was starting to cook something before COVID happened. You keep Draymond, and you have James Wiseman. I'm, my hot take for this season is they're going to make the conference finals. Okay. I think we're, I think we're going to see the return of MVP stuff. I can't knock the pick. I do agree that they did a very good job. Personally, I'm going to name the three teams that I think did the best in free agency. Number one, Boston Celtics. Really? I, I that's Now that's a surprise. Why do you say that? Okay, so getting rid of Gordon Hayward, I think, was actually a blessing in disguise. Less money on their books, for one. Two, they didn't need them. And three... They didn't need them, um, but <laughs> I mean, I, I, I will count that twice. It was, they, they really did not need them. <laughs> exactly. So personally, I have been saying this after watching the bubble and I said, Kemble Walker is getting older. The Celtics need, I thought that they should draft a point guard. There weren't really many point guards available and they got Pritchard later in, in the first round, but they needed a backup. Us, uh, an actual point guard as a backup. Marcus Smart, all great, all good. He does what he's supposed to do. He's not a point guard. He's a combo. No, he's not. He is a no. he is a he's a shooting guard slash small forward. Right, just in a point guardish body. But they got Jeff Teague. They needed this back. They needed a backup point guard. Not only can he facilitate the offense he can give you some some buckets out there they needed a big and it showed against the heat because bam out was abusing daniel tice they got somebody who's not gonna fold against a bam out of bayou or any even other get? i'm trying to remember tristan thompson big. they actually got tristan thompson they got tristan thompson to a two-year 19 and he's only 29 years old i'm I've I've always, I'm I'm looking forward to his resurgence. I mean, he really hasn't been anything without LeBron. He hasn't, but to his credit, he's I I don't think that he was really all that good that he was being hyped up to be. That's my own personal feeling. But even still, they for them to get him a big that can help them in a lot of different ways. I'm I think that was very very needed. So I think they filled every 
hole in their roster that needed to be filled. The second team I want to mention, and my team, is the Blazers. I I saw this past season with all the injuries and not having the depth at the wing position at and players at the wing position that could play defense at that they look they missed out they missed out on so many on a, a great opportunity to push their culture and they were way better than what their record says i i have no idea how they were in eight seed injury injuries Zach Collins got hurt. Nurkic was hurt for most of the season. Granted, I never really was high on Hassan Whiteside, but uh, Trevor Reza didn't show up to the bubble. Rodney Hood got hurt. So every player that they need, and Trevor Reza, even before the bubble, Trevor Reza wasn't even there. So they're, and them as a team, they needed these wing players. And unfortunately, they the guys who played defense the most for them the year that they went to the conference finals weren't there anymore. Alfaruk Camino. And Mo Harkless, both guys were gone. They got paid. Can't blame them for leaving, but the Blazers really missed those guys. They were able to get Covington, a, str- a very big stretch wing. I was I was a big fan of them getting Covington, I will say. I that. liked it too. Rodney Hood's back. Hopefully he's healthy. If he's healthy, they get another guy that's a stretch wing. He can shoot 3 and D. All right, that's two. You get Melo back, he for sure can give you buckets on this team, starting, coming off the bench. And then another guy who helped them get to the conference finals, Enes Cantor. They got a big who is a great offensive rebounder. He fits well with Nurkic. He's okay as a center by himself, is as a bench center. And if Zach Collins comes back and healthy, the Blazers have a full roster if they can stay healthy this entire season. And they're going to be scary, in my opinion. I don't see how they don't have a legitimate chance of making the conference finals. I don't see, I mean, I could see them, you know, being the one, a very tough out in the Western conference final. It depends if they get a bad matchup. I mean, if they get the, if they have to play, play the Lakers in the second round, they're not beating the Lakers. I do see if they get to the other side of the bracket, they could get there. I've, I've always been a big fan of, you know, you know, Dame's my dude. I really like their off season. I can, I'm, I will give you credit on that. I do think a very slept on pick by them. I mean, maybe he won't even get that many minutes was get them getting Derek Jones jr. He's a, he, he plays really good underrated defense and he does more than just dunk the ball. He can shoot. He's probably like a 38 to 39% three point shooter. And I mean, give credit to the heat for developing him from his raw talent. I was sad to see him go, to be honest with you. And I, but I'm happy he went to a good situation with him. Hopefully I mean, granted, you know, injuries happen in the NBA. If one, if a player in front of him gets hurt, they're, they're going to, the Portland Trailblazers are going to be fine with him stepping up. Exactly. And they still have their young talent in Gary Trent Jr., Anthony Simmons, and we'll see the steps that Nasir Little takes. But ultimately, I think they did a phenomenal job in free agency. The last team I wanted to mention, the Phoenix Suns. I thought that getting Chris Paul was good, losing. Ubre Jr. was going to be detrimental to their team, but them to be able to rebound and get Jay Crowder, get Langston Galloway, re-sign Dario Saric. Like, I think that they did a great job of salvaging the offseason, and I think that they're another team that you can look at and say, hey, 
they can they're gonna be fighting for that eighth seed. I definitely think they did a great job of finally building around a to send a message to Derek Booker, uh, Devin uh, Devin Booker. We want you to stay. All right, we don't want everybody's clamoring that you need to demand a trade. We're gonna build. We're gonna make a move right here for you. That means we're gonna bring you a Hall of Fame point guard here who is still playing as good as. Not at his best, but he's still all-star level caliber, Hall of Fame, Chris Paul level. And I I could not love that move for them anymore. I don't understand what Oklahoma City why Oklahoma City would want to blow up, you know, winning almost almost going to the second round. Should have gone to the second round, if we're being honest. They screwed up that last minute of that game seven. Right. I, I don't know what they saw there that just says, okay, we're we're going we're going tanking all the way to the bottom. Well that that's Sam Presti for you i don't know i I can't knock it too much you 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 got a lot of compensation for what you did like it'd be one thing if they didn't get a a hefty return on all of it but they managed to get a a very good and sizable return on every move that they've made so i think that that one was fine for chris paul you get yourself put in a position to play for your old coach in monty williams and and improve enough to make sure that they are in the playoff push from start to finish. They got us. The good thing is they'll have Chris Paul on there who won't tolerate losing three games in a row. He will be on all their asses. There's a, there's a lot of culture of losing in there. And I always give, I know I always talk crap about Devin Booker to you that I, his nickname for you would, was always in a loss because everything he did amazingly was in a loss (laughs) that I, I, I saw a lot from him in the bubble to eat my own words. And uh, I I want them to make the playoffs. And I think they will make the playoffs. Not as a high seed, though. Probably as a seven or eight seed, though. But even even still, though, the fact that they haven't been in the playoffs in, like, what, 12 years now? And they're going – it looks like they yeah, might. The conference finals. It, like I said, it looks like they might actually – they actually might do it. So, to me – I, I'm happy to see that for Devin Booger. You've always always known I've been a big fan of his from day one. And I'm glad the world got to see what he can do in the bubble because, like I said, I've been, always been on his bandwagon. So to see that and now to see the the consequent, the, the moves that, that followed and see that they're really being serious about being a playoff contender, I'm happy to see. All right, two – I want to say the Lakers, even though I didn't, even though they're they're the Kings, they're at the mountaintops. They did a lot of reshuffling on that team because there was a lot of weaknesses on that team. Not that they deserved their title and they won, even though the Heat got hurt and everything. That they deserved every bit of it. They were the better team. They have, and they they closed out that series. They were deserving champions, and nobody should try to put the asterisk on their ring. But that's it called. Speaking of they. They know a lot of their team was going to leave. They know Rondo was going to leave. And then, unfortunately, Dwight left them too. I a lot of that's what happens when you have role players who ball out in the playoffs on minimum contracts. They're going to get paid. They were able to keep KCP, who I thought was a huge thing. I thought he was going to leave and go. I thought Charlotte was going to overpay for him. I thought that that was a that was a Michael Jordan kind of move, in my opinion. It might actually just be KCP. They they, they lost Bradley, Avery Bradley. Then that that's going to lead into my number third, who my third winner is. Uh, 
so yeah, they're the best team in the, and they didn't do anything to blow it up. I'm assuming Anthony Davis is coming back. I don't know why he hasn't signed yet, but he's probably going to sign a one year or something. They're going to do one and ones until he figures out whether LeBron's retiring or uh, going to play a couple more years in LA. So they didn't do anything to blow up their team and they actually improved. So I called, I'm going to have the Lakers as my number two winner. My number three winner is the team they played in the finals. I know that's a, hot, a really hot take considering they haven't improved dramatically mm-hmm. pretty much, or they pretty much are just running it back. And that, and that is why I think they are, what's it called? The, my third winner. They have not blown up drastically 2021 cap space. Yes. Bam signing his extent. He was absolutely deserving the extension and I know I mean you had some debates whether or not the Heat owed it to Bam to extend him or tell him, please just wait, we'll sign you a next season. You know, you can have a Dak, Dak Prescott issue at any time. You don't want Bam, what's it called, who's had a really rough upbringing, real rags to riches story. He's very deserving of his contract extension. And as a Heat fan, you can't get mad that your star players wants to, wants to stay for, and commit to the long term. I don't think they blew up their chances to get Giannis next year, though. That's the thing. Everyone they've signed, Goron deserved to get paid, but he's going to, is a team option for his second year. He's going to not, the Heat are going to decline that. Andre Iguodala, team option for the next year. They're going to decline that. Uh, Myers Leonard, yeah, everybody says he got overpaid. You can't overpay somebody who's, who, who, I have never seen a man who started pretty much every game in the season. And then right when the season restarts, gets his minutes cut to absolute zero and just be an absolute team player about it and couldn't look like he couldn't be happier to be part of that team. I He was the first one to shake hands with every one of his teammates that came off the bench during a timeout. As someone who's played the game, you know, at it, bench attitude actually helps a lot. You can't overstate that. You can't be a sore loser on the bench. I know. You you can, and it, it sucks the team energy out of you. And I, I couldn't be any more proud to have a Myers Leonard on my team. That being said, he got overpaid, but he got the heat, the heat take care of their own. Uh, after what happened with Dwayne Wade, they're going to make sure that doesn't happen again. Second year is a team option. They're going to decline that. They're going to, and then they brought in Avery Bradley, who's an all, did he get all team first defense or second team? Um, I'm not even sure he did that. Mm-hmm. He's well. He's that kind. He's been that kind of player in the past, and he's that still that caliber. He's only what, barely thirty, and uh, also on a pretty much on a one-year deal. Mo Harkless on a one-year deal. They're they're gonna go whale hunting next year, even if it's not for Giannis. If even if Giannis stays, there's still a lot of 2021 free agents out there that they haven't blown up yet. Yeah, that's a call. They're not gonna be able to pull off the coup like they did in 2010, where they got. Chris Bosh, LeBron, and Dwayne Wade to all come in at once because of now Bam's extension. But you can still get one more guy and maybe and possibly have to just uh, trade away the key rookies like Nunn, Hero, and Duncan Robinson to a, to a sign and trade to get what's it called, a star player. Which you pull the tree. I love those guys with all my heart. You pull the trigger to get a Kawhi or a Giannis. So that is why I think the Heat, even though not improving that much on the on the team and, pro, and not improving their roster that much from the year before, 
they're still the conference champions. And right. uh, I know a lot of a lot of GMs are leaking. They think it was a fluke. There's nothing fluky about winning 14 playoff games. There's not. And honestly, the one thing that I think a lot of GMs are mistaken on is they might not have had the most talent, but they were the matchup nightmare for a lot of these teams. Like, I'm one of those people who believes that if the Celtics made the finals, it would have been – obviously, Celtics-Lakers would have been more entertaining in that sense, but the matchup would have been better. Now, granted, the Heat also were missing Bam for a good – some of those games, as well as Goran Dragic. That could have completely and drastically changed the way that the finals went. But for me, I think that having a different matchup similar to how the Celtics could have matched up would have been a better series, but the Heat were a matchup nightmare for pretty much every team in the East, and they came out triumphant because of that. And and I completely agree with you on that. They were the Heat are not a regular season team. They can't. They're not going to win win four games in five nights. That's not how they. That's not how they operate. They, if you just have to, if they just have to focus on one opponent and have to beat them four games out of seven, they're going to be a really, really tough out. And I mean, granted, game six of the final, they they were spent after the Herculean efforts you saw from Jimmy Butler and the whole team to win just two games against that Lakers team. I mean, I don't, th- I don't think the the Celtics win two games against the Celt- against the Lakers. If I'm being honest with you, I don't see Jason Tatum carrying the team he has the talent to do so but he's not carrying that team like jimmy butler did in those two victories mm. especially if he, if he lost kemba and uh let, i don't know who their big star big tice. man is tice he's the best big man they have yeah uh yeah it, it's tice but you know tice and i guess mark throw marcus smart in there too if they right. bought i don't see Dan, i don't see jason tatum as talented as he is and i think he's one of the he's going to be a top five player in this league in the next within the next five years. I don't see him taking LeBron to six games, but that's neither here nor there. I do. I, I do think the heat are a lot of teams, kryptonites, especially the Milwaukee bucks. I was trying to tell all my bucks fans. Yeah. We're the five seed. You avoided Indiana, Indiana, but you wanted Indiana to win that series. I mean, yeah. We'll, we'll see how things pan out going forward now after seeing the moves that were made and in the Heat's case, the moves that weren't made. Maybe it doesn't benefit them this season, but... I, I don't think they're going to make the finals this year. If you're, if I'm going to... I didn't think they... I thought they'd make the conference finals and I know they overachieved this year and I'm happy for them. I don't think it was fluky, but I do think you know, short turn only 70 days between playing game six of the finals and game one of their, your regular season. All right. That's going to be, it's going to be hard for them to just get, get back into the rhythm. I no matter how much I pound the chest on heat culture, that that's hard for anybody. No, I definitely, I definitely agree. And like I said, you, you just pointed out, you don't believe that these moves that were made this summer will be for the benefit of this season. And I agree with you. It's probably going to benefit the team for the next free agent summer. But they also didn't compromise this current team that they have. So now they have some flexibility to see what they can make happen and make shake 
going forward. I'm a big proponent of running it back. If you if you get to the finals, you should run it back. I mean, that's fair. Uh, I, I can't say that you're wrong. We'll see if getting Bradley might help or it might be the same as having Crowder, who they lost in free agency. But it, it'll be a fun season all across the board. I think a lot of teams, a lot of teams got better. If you were a playoff contender, for the most part, uh, most of those teams got better. I'd probably say that the Jazz didn't do anything at all. And the Rockets, we'll see how that works out because they just got a lot of turmoil over there in their organization. Um, but I just think this season will probably be what we were hoping that this past season would be in terms of entertainment. I think that we'll actually get even more entertainment with this coming season. I couldn't be any more proud of how they brought the energy. Like, if every team in the bubble wanted to be there, minus pretty much the Los Angeles Clippers, they were the only team that didn't want to be there. <laughs> it from 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 a look like from body language wise. So I I'm, I think a lot of this is a big prove it year for a lot of players this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna I'm, we're gonna be very we're gonna be spoiled with what they what they want. I mean even the Lakers have a chip on their shoulder because they they hear people calling it the Mickey Mouse ring. They don't like that. Oh, absolutely. I think it's going to be fun. Um, with that being said, we, we definitely covered everything we needed to c- cover today. So, Alex, plug your social media. Tell them where they can follow you. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Yoshi. That's at B-E-G underscore Y-O-S-H-E-E. I'm probably going to change it. There's a picture of a fat guy standing in front of graffiti. That's me. <laughs> Feel free to follow me there. I have a lot of bad takes. I also tweet things at four in the morning, usually funny, usually stupid. You know, find (laughs) out for yourself. (laughs) I'm definitely, I can concur and say that he is telling me. But also follow my dude, Derek Buckley. All right. This man knows more, has forgotten more about basketball than I could possibly remember. (laughs) That's, that's funny. I appreciate that. You guys could follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Buckley on Air. That's B-U-C-K-L-E-Y on Air, A-I-R. That's all the time we have for you guys today. We look forward to hearing what you guys thought about what we had to say and where we went wrong. 